everybody welcome back to the pc perspective podcast we're at episode 672 this is being recorded on april 13 2022 and i'm sebastian beak i'm jeremy hellstrom uh, 672 when the hell have i been for the past mm, yeah 14 years yeah i'm josh walrath and i'm kent burgess you can support us on patreon by going to patreon.com slash pc per and i have to say a shout out to tired gaming dad our latest addition to the patron patreon family thank you for your support josh it's time yes. no for the most important segment of the week okay i i gotta find out and remember what the name of this burger was this is the ballpark burger <clears throat> A single beef patty topped with cheddar cheese pretzels, which I had to actually order separately because they forgot to put them on. Queso and spicy Dijon. Now, it it wasn't the beefiest burger, obviously, with a single patty. And I didn't put on all of the pretzels that they gave me because I thought that would be too much. But... It was still a tangy, tasty burger with an interesting crunch. I probably should have put more of the pretzels on, but I did not. It was filling. The fries were a little oversalted, but seasoned nicely and cooked really to perfection in this case. So I was quite happy with my meal. It costed around $16 after tip, which it's not fast food prices. In fact, fast food prices are not exactly fast food prices anymore, but that's another discussion of another day. But still, it was a tasty burger. And if you ever have the chance to go to Born and Barn in Laramie, Wyoming, they serve really good food. I noticed that Keith at Keith Place PC was trying to get in on the burger action, Josh. He did. Know. It's it, it, he said it's it burger day today, and I and I I in the affirmative. Yes, it is. With Josh's burger today, the ballpark burger. I feel like they didn't hit it out of the park. Uh, no pun intended. Perhaps not, but it is really opening week of baseball. That's so. true. Mm-hmm. They're not in the swing of things yet. Um, Look at the, <laughs> the the hard pretzels just out of a bag of pretzels. I know it should have been soft pretzels. Exactly, I would like told a me about it. Soft pretzel, and it would have been perfect. The I was but, thinking soft pretzel with gooey oh, cheese all over it on a burger. That would be amazing. If actually, had a, a Bavarian style soft pretzel sitting on top of that under the bun. They they they, a, they kind of missed on that. It was yeah. still good, but they they it it, it could have been. Another level. Speaking of another level, our first news story tonight is uh, review coverage of an unreleased product by a well-known tech website. This is Tech Power Up, and we are, of course, talking about the AMD Ryzen 7 5800X 3D, which really takes cash to the next level. Three. If you read the review by Wizard, published yesterday, they talk about... AMD's uh, 5800X3D is the talk of the town these days. And it, uh, it's throwing a bunch of cash at the Intel Alder Lake problem. I'm very curious about that line. Uh, uh, AMD claims that Zen 3 when paired with a highly lubricated memory pipeline. How do you lubricate mm. a memory pipeline? Carefully. You don't want to spill too well, I much. I mean, on there. if if you need to ask, you can't afford to play. Anyway, if you're not familiar, the X3D it's coming April 20, and it's going to be 449 dollars at retail, according to AMD, which is a pretty su- substantial price increase over the non-3D version of the 5800X, which has you know seen some price drops over time, and that's which, an excellent which is kind of. Strange because a 5900X has been seen for $389. Yeah. Wow, really? Yeah. Oh, up here they're like $499. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. 
Well, according to yeah, the price but... chart in this review here, they have the 3D at 450, they have the non 3D at 350, and then here's a 1500X at 450. So, yeah, they're selling less than that. Do you want? They, they are. I saw a 5950X um, somewhere yesterday for 489. Yep. Yes, Even it here, is. it's listed at 600. That is so cheap compared to what it was just, I don't know, four months ago. Months ago. Uh, two months ago. Yeah. One and a half. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so they, they did a bunch of testing, and we've seen some leaked tests on this before, but let's just look at some game testing here. And we're at Ooh, 720p, 720p, of course. Of course. Yeah. Because that's that's what you have to do to test games with a CPU. It's really, really low resolution, low quality settings. Because that's what you do with a 3080 and a $450 processor. So let's see, where does it stack up? There's a 5800, uh, which is 10% slower overall, it looks like, because they put the X3D as the baseline at 100% performance with the 12900KS at 100 or 101.9%, apparently. Okay, you, you okay, stop, stop, yes. stop. Mm-hmm. Look at that performance versus the clock speed. Yeah. No, there's no doubt that four point five gigahertz versus five point five, and it's a two percent increase with one gigahertz faster core. But we're, we are talking about seven twenty p. I love these the, because you know statistics don't lie, but you can certainly manipulate them in any way that you want to, and if you test games at extremely low resolutions and quality settings, I think you're going to find that the Ryzen 7 with all of that cache, what is it, 96 megabytes of L3 or something? Mm-hmm. It is going to just dominate. So, I mean, it's it's going to be somewhat game dependent uh, in Battlefield 5, for example, at, at 720p, it led the KS by six frames per second. We're talking 305 versus 299, though. Hmm. Yeah, that you, that that 305 over 299. That's essential for competitive gaming. It's that's much true. bigger with some at, titles like at, it's seven, at 720p. Borderlands 3, everybody's favorite shooter of all time, 139 frames per second versus 120. So the Ryzen 7 has a much bigger lead there. Civilization 6, which obviously. Uh, it's a much slower. That's five frames per second more. Oh, CSGO. Here we go. Now we're getting to the silly numbers here. So the X3D is outperformed by the X in this one. And that did happen occasionally in this review because sometimes if it doesn't take advantage of the cache as much, then the clock speed deficit will have it losing to the 5800X, which is 400 megahertz faster. Which is interesting because, yeah, the, the one gigahertz faster Core i9-12900KS yeah. scores... 150 frames more per second. Yeah, it's but, you know faster. what's what's this 150 game? frames per frame yeah. in between. So clearly, CS:GO, yeah. an older uh, title, is more single-threaded yeah. and yeah. it's very clock speed dependent. So well, that chart shows it exactly. Everyone above it is like four, five, four, six, four, seven, four, eight, five, five, two, five, five. I consider 720p gaming testing to be kind of silly, but I, I you know what I have, what would be more interesting. Is like Far Cry Five, because that's that's kind of an interesting benchmark. Yeah, at regular 1080p. I like the way you think, which is exactly why I've been benchmarking Far Cry Five at 720 low, 720 low, 1080 low, and 1080 high, just to see how it kind of scales. Because 720 low with Far Cry, it's ridiculous. You're getting like two, three hundred frames per second. That game, even at ultra settings, with the HD texture pack enabled, it's still not a challenging mm-hmm. title anymore. 1080p gaming testing, overall, the relative performance at 1080 has the X3D virtually tied with the 12900KS. There's nice. 0.2% variance there. So again, individual benchmarks may vary. But I think as you... Well, that's pretty big again. Borderlands 3 very much favors the Ryzen 7. Wolf. But again, this is all kind of academic. I mean, if you have to go down to 720p to see uh, as much as, what, a 2% variance overall? And then it goes to 0.2 at 1080. 
I don't even know why you'd go any higher, but for some reason they all went all the way to 4K. Let's see what the 4K relative performance difference is. Uh, Does pretty good. It's pointless. There's no reason ever to test a game at 4K to test like CPU. Unless, I don't know, someday it will. Someday 4K will be the new 720p. But not today. Any specific um, benchmarks from this you want to look at? Any questions you had about the performance of this processor before launch? Nah, let's 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 wait until mm. launch. See how it goes. Exactly. Let's see Super Pi W prime numbers. I don't think it's going to do all that well, honestly. Overall, just it's not going to be. They didn't say it was the world's fastest processor. AMD's calling it the world's fastest gaming gaming processor. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they've they've got a niche and. That niche is cache. Yeah. Well said. And uh, <clears throat> I mean, you're still going to get workloads that will rely upon that. And you'll see some increases in performance because the pipeline and the CPUs are going to be more adequately filled with the data they need. But that's not everything. And I mean, you're going to still go out to main memory. And in other cases, you're going to go out to storage. And that that's the great equalizer because storage is slow in the grand scheme of things. Um, but if you can, you know, provide more cache, more L3, faster memory, and more threads, you're obviously going to get more performance in certain applications. I mean, it's just... It's just a balancing act. Yes. And in this case, they provided a 105-watt TDP, supposedly, uh, product that really excels in gaming because it provides a ton of L3 cash, really fast cash, which games tend to really rely upon. And, uh, you know, the, the Zen 3 architecture is still very, very fast across the board in many workloads. And so when you add something like this, it's 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 going to have a positive effect on certain workloads. So yeah, no, I'm 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 not shocked by the results that we see so far. And um, as things have built up over the past year, we we've kind of expected what was going to happen. And of course, AMD marketing is this is the fastest gaming processor out there. And for the most part, that really is true because the workloads that games have, they really rely on cash. Larger the cash, better they work. I, I think the interesting thing to me about it is that marketing the, the world's fastest gaming processor and then testing it at 720 or even 1080, most people that are spending that kind of money on a processor are not gaming at 1080. They're gaming at either at 1440 or 3440 by 1440 or 4K. And at that point, the difference between these processors is negligible at best. And okay, let me ask you that, one question before you go farther. Sure. What was the one processor that was statistically above the AMD one? In the main statistics, it was the KS, the twelve nine hundred, the Kentucky Shroud edition, which is how much more expensive than the fifty eight hundred. I agree with you. I agree with you. But the games where the fastest processor would matter to the people that are trying to get every frame or the competitive gamers. And those are still so unreliant on cash. You could see uh, CSGO, that was all clock speed and cores. Um, and those are the games where people are depending on every single frame and running yeah. it at lower resolutions. It is not hard saying it's to a bad process, compare this just, to like a, a 12700K. It's not because, though, that's because they pretty, did, and it's within two and yeah. a half percent. Yeah, it's it's not a whole lot. Now it's it is going to be interesting to see if we can revisit this 
wants the next generation. I'm not trying to excuse AMD or say anything about this, but you know, all of building, you were going to have to kind of take a look at the, the landscape where you're sitting, where you want to go and what's the best price performance to you. And right now we're really spoiled because we have a wide variety of products that's going to get us to the place we want to be. Um, but it, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because once you start doing the, the 1% and the 0.1% of stuff, um, in frames, that's where, you know, the frame rating type things, that's going to be more interesting to me. Um, done a lot of this, you know, average and men's. Right. Do you do, I mean, what, what do you think, Sebastian? I mean, you're, you're the frame rating kind of expert here. You've, you've done stuff in that. Do you think it's going to make a difference? Do you think you're going to have a smoother experience with like a 5800 X3, X3D than anything else? It feels like a kind of a limited run product. Might be wrong about it that. It really is because it's, it's complex to do. The thermals are not great. The power consumption because you are stacking dies. Your power consumption is essentially sort of doubling, even though they've done things to kind of decrease that. I mean, it's it's a sandwich effect. It, it just, you got to die here, the 5800X. So I'm going to throw all this cash on top, and cash is power hungry as it is. So it's it's going to take power. And it's going to not only create heat, but it's going to insulate heat from the CPU. And so you've got to be extremely careful in how you build this thing. Because silicon, while it's a, you know, it's a semiconductor, it's not a super heat conductor. It's okay, but it's not great. So you're, yeah, there, there's a reason why you can't overclock these. Because it's, it's muy malo. It's bad if you do. The reason that they locked the overclocking and the voltage on it was because they AMD said that there's a max temperature that that 3D vCache can operate at. Um, and that's why they had locked the voltage and overclocking is because the vCache itself can't go over a certain temperature. And I cannot recall what that number was. That makes I sense. Mean, it's, it's all silicon, but, but I mean, here's the thing is your vCache is running at 95C. Well, the the CPU underneath it is going to be throttling like a mofo because it's going to yeah. be at 105 C, yes. and it's just it's it's uh, it is it is a balancing act. It is a juggling act, and I you know I, I congratulate AMD for doing this to. You can't really call it a mainstream part, mainstream part, but it, it essentially is at four hundred and fifty dollars. It's not, it's not out of the range of most consumers who are buying a new C, uh, PC. So yeah, it's it. it uh, you know what? What does Sebastian say? It's kind of a proof of concept. I think it's slightly more than that, but where AMD is going to be making their money in this 3d V cache is the server space and the virtual space and selling the stuff, which has huge amounts of memory on the chip. It, I mean, it, the server workloads and, and virtualization workloads, it's going to love it. And they're going to make their money off of that. Not on these gaming CPU parts. Next generation AMD is all about the overclocking. They're all in on overclocking. This article, WCCF Tech. AMD on Ryzen 7000 Zen 4 desktop CPUs. Raphael, their first DDR5 platform. It's going to make a big splash with overclocking, apparently. They had a meet the experts. I do like, I do like the, uh, the, the, the shape of the heat spreaders. Yeah. That's, that's very, look at that. It's pretty. There will be no delitting on those. It's like it's like what do you mean? It looks a lot easier to do. <laughs> there's there's more places to, to grip. <laughs> yeah, so those two notches up top. Look, Look right at here. All those That's SMDs where. Just grab it. Yeah, just just whack it. 
It's kind of funny talking about the advantages of DDR5. Uh, I think Intel has DDR5 already. But uh, Joseph Tao, Memory Enabling Manager, is actually a title called Memory Enabling Manager. Anyway, huh. at AMD, quote, our first DDR5 platform for gaming is our Raphael platform. And one of the awesome things about Raphael is that we're really gonna try to make a big splash with overclocking. And I'll just kind of leave it there. But speeds that you maybe thought couldn't be possible may be possible with this overclocking spec. So it's not a turtle. The next gen. I find this also hilarious, by the way. Uh, next gen. Here's an AMD processor, and it says next gen right next to it because of the uh, the acquisition of next gen that led to the AMD K6 processor back in the day. But anyway, it's neither here nor there. Well, it's there. It's not here. And then some speculated mainstream generation comparisons. Let's see. Ryzen 7000 Zen 4. And I've also seen reports that it might be 170 watts at the high end. That's interesting. Socket AM5, DDR5, 4800 nominally, Gen 5 PCIe, of course. So just matching uh, Intel at this point. Uh, so something to look forward to, I guess. With uh, I feel like there's a generation of, uh, or there's a contingent of, gaming enthusiasts on the PC who have skipped this generation and are looking forward to the next gen graphics cards and processors because of all the availability woes and pricing shenanigans. They've been saving their money. It's going to be a rough spring and summer for a lot of uh, tech people because Mm -hmm. we already saw Q1 drops in in, uh, PC shipments and parts, and there's a reason why GPUs are available getting closer to MSRP in a matter of four weeks gone from unavailable to you could buy one today for not much more than MSRP. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, 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 there is a reason for that and wait a couple of weeks. And I think we're going to see some even better specials. It's interesting to me. People are talking like uh, uh, NVIDIA's RTX 4000 series is coming. It's right around the door, but I'm, it's really probably about six months off, which is still a good amount of time. And uh, it's, it's, I've not I, heard. I, I, I've kind of heard September, October. Five months. And that's the, yeah. okay. Everybody hang on to their britches because that time frame is going to be not only AMD 4000 series, but the next gen NVIDIA, next gen AMD graphics. Intel probably so going to be in there. Busy. So September, October. Yeah. 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 So I should go on vacation, is what you're saying. You should. If you're going to do it, do it now. Far yeah. away. Speaking of uh, hardware that you can buy or can't buy, Intel, we've talked about Intel Arc a few times recently, and then mm-hmm. we talked about the official launch of Intel Arc Discrete Graphics, which was mobile first, and we kind of speculated on future Intel Arc products. Well, uh, it turns out Intel Arc is a future product, unless you live in Korea. So in South Korea, where Samsung is located, you can order one of these Intel Arc discrete GPU-powered laptops. But as Intel support clarified on Twitter, quote, we had incorrect information. Samsung systems with Intel Arc graphics are available now in Korea and will scale to other regions. Additional OEMs in other regions will have systems in the coming weeks. So you can buy them. The video card said that they confirmed that there are indeed Samsung Book 2 Pro laptops currently in stock on official company website with the, 12, the Core i7-1260P and discrete arc GPU, one model is listed. If you want to type this in, NT950XEE-XD72S. And it has a 1080p AMOLED screen for Ooh. people who don't like RGB stripe. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot. It's a $2,100 laptop in US dollars. Uh, Unobtainium. Yeah. Except it was Korea. And even then, it's it's a lot of money for what you get. Kyle Bennett, if you're watching, you were right. 
You know, it was, <laughs> it was kind of a paper launch. What is no, it now? If Intel could have gotten this out a month ago, six weeks ago, they would have come out looking like the savior. Um, of course, now, you know, graphics cards, AMD and NVIDIA are all available readily. And it looks like by the time uh, Alchemist is, is on shelves, uh, the, the next generation of uh, NVIDIA and Radeon cards will be right around the door and they'll be a generation behind almost immediately. And it's just a, a bad for Intel. And Kent, I'm sure you are referring to the desktop arc graphics. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, it's, I don't think the mobile is going to make much of a dent right away. Uh, well, well, they're not even available yet really, but they needed desktop cards. We've talked about this at length as well. There was such a huge opening in the market for them. Exactly. If they could just seize the moment. Yeah. But apparently they could not. You know, designing 12 billion transistor chips apparently is not easy. They have some really good talent over there. They do, and they have some good tools, but it's still... Josh, Raja went to Intel in 2017. And they don't have anything. It's been been five years almost. (sighs) <sighs> they have Ryan Shrout for crying out loud. Ryan. Yeah. He's graphics marketing for Intel. We need we need graphics cards. Yes. Oh well. Even if even if they don't come out until everything's widely available again, if they're a compelling alternative and they have good features and they're priced accordingly. I mean the they're last gonna time- sell their four million chips this year. Do you think so? Because if they get it if they get it out in August, September. Um, there's still going to be an option when the 4,000 series from NVIDIA and the whatever AMD wants to call theirs, 7,000 series. Again, um, there's going to be a place for them. They could be price competitive for performance. But we'll see, because apparently these are TSMC 6 nanometer parts, not not Intel-based process technology. So... They, they 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 still have a splinter of of daylight that they can get into and i think they can do it but it, it's not the slam dunk it could have been if they had released it four weeks ago let's pause here for a word from this week's podcast sponsor Hey, have you heard of Collide yet? Collide sends employees important, timely, and relevant security recommendations for their Linux, Mac, or Windows devices right inside Slack. And if you're like many organizations, you know you can reach your employees on Slack. Collide is perfect for organizations that care deeply about compliance and security, but don't want to get there by locking down devices to the point where they become unusable. Instead of frustrating your employees, Collide educates them about security and device management while directing them to fix important issues. Visit collide.com PC per to check this out and sign up today. That's K O L I D E dot com slash PC per. Use your email and get a free Collide gift bundle after trial activation. At Collide, we know that end users are IT admins' most significant untapped resource and their key to solving the most challenging to fix security issues, including instructing developers to set passphrases on unencrypted SSH keys, finding plain text two factor backup codes, and teaching end users how to store them securely, and convincing employees to uninstall those evil browser extensions that may even sell their browser history. These are just some of the many use cases not solved by locking down devices. You can try Collide with all of its features on an unlimited number of devices for free for 14 days with no credit card required. Try it out at collide.com slash pcper. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash pcper. Enough about Intel graphics. Let's talk about AMD Radeon RX 6900 successor the 6950 xt it's not a myth it's not a legend well i mean we already knew about it but videocards.com today published an article about an early retail listing for this and um i know it's just a one retail listing it is the first one though 
but the pricing seems a little high. But I mean, all graphics pricing has been out of control. Uh, thirty-two hundred forty-one Australian dollars, which is roughly twenty-four hundred U.S. dollars. Yeah, well, if you look at the price of the thirty-nine thirty-ninety Ti, that's roughly a hundred bucks Australian more. So, direct translation, maybe not. Oh, I see. Okay, so if for their market, and this was a yeah. mega buy listing, apparently. I mean, it's. Probably going to be a 1500 MSRP card <clears throat> and will perform at that spot once it gets released. Because, you know, officially a 6800 XT is 699 or is it $599? $599. Yeah. No. And then no the, uh, the, the 6900 XT is 999 Yeah. So eke out that slightly bit more performance for 1500 and as graphics card prices go down that will also start pushing itself down yeah i think it's it's going to be overpriced for guys like you and i but there will be buyers until they're not and then they will lower prices and then we'll be buyers again it's amazing how that works or at least we hope it does this time. Yeah. All I know is it'll be the absolute fastest card for low detail, low resolution gaming yeah. that you've ever seen. Well, of course, it's the highest number card. Well, I mean, the 6900 XT is the absolute king of like 1080 esports type gaming. Because <laughs> yeah. that's not even close. For. So if you just. Throw on 50 more, whatever 50 represents. I know it's probably a little few more streaming uh, processors, and uh, I don't remember whatever specs. Have, have they officially divulged no, they specs? Not no, talked, okay. But it's, it's, it's probably going to be just because the 6900 is, is fully enabled yeah, of that is chip. It? It's, um, it's and it's higher. going to be then higher clock speed and possibly double memory. I don't know. We'll see. It, it's, it's higher clock speed and higher TDP. Um, I saw a chart on it uh, a couple of days ago and it, all those were the only differences was higher clock speed and higher TDP. Okay. So if we look at tech power ups, uh, early listing of this in oh, their database, well, it is still 16 gigs. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So it's, I feel like this is, is this accurate? They're showing it here with a launch price. $999. Uh, $999. Mm-hmm. As a drop-in replacement for the 6900 And uh, let's see. Expected to launch on May 10th of 2022. Still 7 nanometers. It has boost up to 2340. Memory's running at 18 gigabit per second effective and it's 300 watts so I'm sure it'll be a bit faster but this won't be some monumental no improvement Micron in a press release stated yesterday has announced an increase to both bandwidth and capacity of GDDR6X So now there are 16 gigabit modules at speeds of up to 24 gigabits per second. That is fast. So currently the industry best 21 gigabit per second is that RTX 3090 Ti. But future cards could be using this new 24 gigabit per second memory. I wonder if the next generation of of, uh, NVIDIA GPUs will be taking advantage of this. Hmm. Hmm. And they go on to they talk got about a pretty the, close relationship there. Yes. Yeah. They mentioned the 3090 Ti quite extensively in this press release. The unrivaled memory bandwidth of GDDR6X enables these high-resolution experiences with ultra-fast frame rates and near-instant rendering, providing users near. with lifelike effects. Yes. Beautifully written um, press release prose here from the Investor Relations Department at Micron. Jeremy, can you tell me about Weird West? 
I guess if I have to. How, how long is this going to be? Because I need to go. You need to go? Come on, Jeremy. Start, start talking. You, and You need to go and, uh, see a horse about a trough? Illuminate. And just really, really, really get into the grist of this game. How slowly should I talk, Josh? That's good. Pretty slow, I'm thinking. To give him time. <laughs> Westerns, Westerns are coming back. Like, they're was a long time when we didn't see anything uh, since that one particular uh, AMD mostly based uh, shooter. But now we've seen Desperados. We've seen a couple of Kickstarters come off and Weird West is the newest one of these, which looks and plays from what people are talking about a fair amount, like the original fallout. Unfortunately, part of that is that they're describing the AI of the characters that follow you around and if you ever did play the original Fallout, the amount of times that you screamed, Select, stop shooting me in the back of the head with an SMG, is probably ridiculously high. Because, uh, well, that's sort of how the AI worked. So in this one, uh, you're jumping between a couple of different characters, and they're, they're, they're really claiming that some of the decisions that you make will actually affect gameplay, as opposed to just changing the cutscene at the very end of it. So if you decide to take out a bounty on a bandit leader and slaughter them the chances are pretty good that unless you murder them all some of the survivors are gonna get some friends together and come looking for revenge uh apparently if you go on a free-for-all in the town the next time you're there the graveyard will be a little bit fuller and as every single one you killed gets buried in the town uh clean out of town and bandits might move in as opposed to it being a a nice civilized city anymore I, there's a bit of Larian in this. Um, if you've ever played Divinity Original Sin, where there were various environmental effects around, so if there was a barrel next to someone full of oil, it made sense to break it and then hit them with fire. So in this case, if you're going after, say, ambushing a bunch of people playing poker, there's a nice oil lamp sitting above them, it's probably a good idea to actually shoot the oil lamp and not them, because then they're going to be a little bit upset about the flames and give you a little bit more time to take them down along with the, the posse you've got. It's very supernatural. One of the characters you play is a werewolf. Uh, there's another one that's a witch. So it's very supernatural, weird West, hence the name of it. The other fun thing, and I, I still haven't had a chance to pick it up or play test or anything, is that combat is real time. Instead of going into a turn-based scenario, you are actually forced to sort of deal with it. Now, there are some things like a Max Payne style uh, timing slowing effect if you're jumping down, if you do a dive, so you do have a chance to sort of line things up, and from the looks of it, there's a little bit of the ricocheting of bullets and stuff to go on. So overall, if you enjoyed any of the old ones, like Hard West or uh, Desperado, then yeah, uh, this looks interesting. I really enjoyed Hard West. I know a lot of people absolutely hated it, but I was not one of them. So yeah, I'm interested in this one. So, uh, but you know, on that website that you were on with the review, scroll up a little bit, would you? Scroll up on the page I was just on. Yeah, you were on. Okay, scroll up. Doesn't that remind you of Blues News? Oh, so much. Yeah. Overclockers Club always has. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they have kept that old same style from 1998. Yeah. 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 I love them for it. Yeah. There are some sites I can no longer read because the, the new fancy layout just drives me so mad <laughs> that it's just like, no, I'm not reading Verge anymore. Sorry. That's just yeah. ugly. You're not missing anything. <laughs> No, I'm not. No, Verge is, yeah. Visually, that game reminded me of a cross between Borderlands and Diablo. Yeah, I think that's sort of the thing they're going for. That sort of weird little hand-drawn cell, but not quite. Wrong. Yeah, it does have that hand-drawn look. It looks like you're kind of like looking at a graphic novel. But it, that, uh, what is it, isometric view? Yes. It's like Monkey Island. Come on. Our sole uh, security-related story this week is something... Uh, it looks like it's related to a hospital. That's not good. 
Automated no, apoplexy. What are these robots? Yeah. So that robot that you're looking at there right now, this is able to tour around hospitals uh, and know where it is because it's got the cameras watching it while it's doing its navigation thing. Can use elevators to go up to secure areas of the hospital. The idea being that it's really good at delivering critical supplies uh, and, you know, not having to pay someone to do it because you got a robot to. Well, there was, and thankfully it was patched before the news came out, but uh, this is just lovely. The, the Athon uh, line of hospital robots had five, five bugs, which could be exploited without any escalation of privilege whatsoever required. Like you could just walk up to one or do it, or in the case of some of them, they are web connected. So you could get into over the web and do this. That means that, I mean, not only can it access anything that's on there, because, I mean, it's taking medication to a certain patient, so it knows the patient, it's got the history, it knows what they're in there for, what the medication is, but it could, you know, deliver the wrong medication to the wrong patient and maybe not be noticed or just sort of not deliver it. It could be used to hook into all of the video cameras in the hospital, which it uses for navigation, but you could sit there and watch through them. Uh, you could lock out one of the elevators just by having it reserve that elevator and then stop sort of halfway to where it's going. So, you know, not terrifying in the least at all, especially the fact that essentially these were completely unprotected. There, there was nothing stopping anyone from going over, taking a couple of pokes and realizing, oh, holy crap, I can tell it to start sending video feed to this web address. Neat. So it has been patched. Well, the, the patches are available. Oh, okay. We do know that hospitals have a tendency to not necessarily update as quick as possible. We can hope that this is being pushed by the company, but uh, that's more of a hope than a certainty. Well, Jeremy, uh, you need to talk some more because, yeah. and again, Jeremy has dropped another review on us. This one's audio related, so I'm sure there'll be a spirited audio debate, especially considering we have some headphone aficionados on the podcast this week. The Monoprice M1000 ANC. So I, this, this is Bluetooth. Me. It's Bluetooth, though. Tell me about it. Uh, well, for one thing, I finally know which side they go on. Video or non-video uh, consumers of the podcast. There's a giant R and L inside of each ear cup. That's and handy. It, it is, you know, in a way. Uh, sort of. So the idea with these is that they're portable. Uh, like 60-hour battery life portable. As long as you're not playing with any of the fun stuff on them. And they fold up nicely. They're a little bit better. I saw some reviews of the previous model of these, which essentially said that, you know, the, the, the swivel hinge on them is not awesome. Uh, and so they've taken a look at that and redesigned it for these ones. Uh, the, if I can find, it's like the 600 ANC. Ah. Regardless of the, the, the previous version, uh, they, they've made some improvements. Now this one has active noise cancellation which you can toggle between off, on, which is, you know, or sorry, minimum, which runs you about uh, a blocking about 20 decibels or high, which blocks 35 decibels and seems to work out pretty well. It's a, it's a Qualcomm chip that everyone sort of knows about. Uh, and it's also got DRAC spatial sound, which is not exactly the same as Dolby Atmos, but... If you've heard Dolby Atmos, you, you pretty much know what it is. There's a button that makes everything sound better and a button that makes everything sound flat. And why you would turn it off, I have no clue other than, yeah, it will take a bit off of your battery life. So if you're desperate, then again, I mean, the, the battery on this thing, they're saying uh, with a five-minute charge, you get about two hours worth. So again, it's, it's kind of hard to see where you'd be going. The clamping mechanism is pretty simple. Uh, there's no fancy little stretchy band or anything. It's got memory foam on the very top and the ear pads are made of memory foam with some nice pleather on the outside. They're comfortable. I've been wearing them the whole podcast and I don't feel the 
need to air my ears out at this point anyways. And I mean, the Bluetooth is Bluetooth. So it sounds like Bluetooth. Yeah, it's Bluetooth 5, so it's a little bit better than the older stuff. But if, if you've listened to Bluetooth, it's flat. It's, it's empty. It ain't great. Unlike the HS80s, which I sort of compared them to because they're a more modern headset that I own, as opposed to the ancient Sound Blaster X ones, this has a 3.5 inch or 3.5 millimeter connector. That changes the entire thing. All of a sudden, the, the sound stage is a significantly better. You're actually hearing the lows, uh, like the, the Yahtzee review that I listened to, it didn't actually sound like you had a bit of an echo going on, which was just sort of the flat recording that he had once I plugged in the three and a 3.5 it's brilliant uh it, it makes a lot better sound it's a lot more volume as opposed to with the bluetooth and so quality wise I mean if the HS80 or another one which comes with a USB dongle was sort of your midpoint yeah the the bluetooth is below it the 3.5 is definitely above it charges via USB-C to USB-A it does not like it if you try and use audio but then again the cable they shipped with it is a foot long. So that's <laughs> what so really is just for charging. Yeah. It's, and it's not really while you're wearing it. Okay. No, no. Uh, the 3.5 is four feet long. So it's, you know, your average length for a headset. Uh, I mean, the other nice thing about this one, uh, which does help justify the price because at 130 bucks for simply a headset, no microphone, it's sort of hitting the edge. Like if all you want is portable audio, 60, 70 bucks and away you go. You yeah. probably even get active noise canceling with it, but you get a little bit less battery. But the other thing is that all, all the controls there, the physical are a switch to turn the headset on and off to enable the spatial sound to toggle between the different noise cancellation. Everything else is hand gestures on the side. So if you hold it, it will actually disable the noise cancellation and lower the volume significantly. Conversation mode, aka someone come over to annoy you and you actually have to pay attention. Volume goes up and down by swiping up or down. Uh, tap, Double tap to pause. You can skip forward and backwards. I tried it with YouTube, no problems. Tried it with some music on my phone, no problems. Uh, it doesn't like it when I'm hooked up to the Sound Blaster X that I've got it hooked up to right now which I might have to test her a little bit more to see exactly what's going on there. Cause I would have thought it was completely included in the headphone. But yeah, overall, I mean, can I say I recommend it? I don't know. I don't know what your ears are like. I don't know what music you listen to. Audio is subjective, but if you're looking for fully featured stuff, yeah, you're going to be paying a fair chunk more than 130. Uh, the HS80s are probably about 120, 115. So in that case, you get better wireless performance, but you lose out on a lot of the other benefits that this has. So overall, you know, I mean, if you're shopping for a headset and you don't want to spend much more than 200 bucks, this is definitely going to be something you should put on your list because Monoprice, for the most part, does decent stuff. They cut a few corners, uh, like the hinges are a little bit less robust than you'd see on some of the higher end ones. It doesn't have the, the nice strap on the top, but you, you get what you pay for. I'm going to say that. Are they creaky? Do you hear plastic creaking as you move around or no? no? That's good. And then is there a decent seal around the ear? Like are the, are they large enough that they fit all the way around the ear and there's enough pressure to kind of seal out sound even without the ANC enabled? Uh, The cups are pretty much equivalent to the, the HS80s. So they're covering my entire ear. There's not anything getting pinched and yeah, they're relatively quiet. Even without the the noise isolation. Initially, I wasn't even thinking of them as, in terms of a uh, ANC, but you're, there's a lot of uh, Sony and Bose active noise cancellation headphones out there. Obviously, a lot of other companies make them too, but for for th- that purpose, if they seal out outside noise fairly well and then have a good implementation of active noise cancellation, that and the fact that I, I really appreciate when a Bluetooth headphone can also be connected via 3.5 analog. Yes. Then you get you know, legitimate sound from your PC and you can take them on the go, use them with your phone. If you're using an Android phone, especially, I noticed that it offers two codecs. It's not just SBC, which is a standard Bluetooth codec. You can switch over to AAC when AAC does sound better than SBC. So that's what Apple uses for their stuff. So yeah, Uh, not bad. 
good low end. That's all anybody seems to care about. Like clarity and <laughs> bass. Come on, it's not bad, but the gray does. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I like. My I mean, they're forty millimeter too. drivers, so yeah, they're not quite as low end as some of the fifty millimeters, but it's certainly acceptable. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're based. Necro what? Goblin. Somehow, has when I poured this beer, I don't know if you can see it, but uh, see there bubble. is. There's bubbles. There, there are three separate bubbles in my beer bottle that they're just static and they're just sitting there. It's it's actually kind of blowing my this. mind because I have no idea how I did this. You can see that top and middle one there. And just yeah, I don't know. It's music. It's in the glass. Is it in the glass? Yeah, it's in the glass. No, but I mean, like, are there bubbles in the green glass? Oh no, 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 no. I'm talking about there is a thin film of beer that creates a floor structure, and they're just sitting there. And you you do it in the light, and you see the uh, you see the oily kind of you know, chromatics off of it. And it's like, I've never seen a beer bottle that has kept that as long as it have. That's, that's been there for 15 minutes. That's amazing. Special. It's unbelievable. Soapy. Something like that. It's what happens when you lubricate your memory pipeline. Exactly. (laughs) Ah. Excellent. Uh, he brought it back. Bringing it back around. It is time for picks of the week, and Josh is going to get us started, aren't you, Josh? I'm going to get there. You know, it's tax time. H&R Block so far has done pretty good by me. Usually, you you need to get a couple of weeks in advance here. I think I got mine for like 18 bucks a couple of weeks ago. But, you know... If you're waiting for the last minute, $35 is still okay. Obviously, this is U.S. only. People in Europe, Canada, Mexico, Australia need not apply. But, you know, April 15th is two days away from this recording. And, uh, yeah. If you're listening to this on the real podcast, it's too late. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I, I got it a couple of weeks ago for like 18 bucks for the deluxe because I live in Wyoming. I don't have state income tax. It helped me get a reasonable refund. But most of that was because my kids go to school and I pay tuition. Oh, nice. They're finally earning their keep. <laughs> no. No? Oh. Okay. I'm guessing the tuition exceeds the uh, tax break by. Uh, it does. It does. Somewhat. It does. Oh well, that's Just unfortunate. Small amount. At least you're getting some kind of tax break. I am getting some back, so I'm I'm happy about that. All, All right. and they're one step further from being dependents. Yes, one small step. Jeremy, your pick this week. Uh, well, You're I mean, it's got to be Ubisoft trying to commit suicide with Quartz Digits. This is the funniest bloody thing that I have seen uh, in a while. Because you remember they came out uh, with Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Well, apparently, they made dozens of sales. Dozens of sales of these NFTs from the game. And so the reaction, well... It's Ubisoft. So you you know what the reaction was. They, they got upset and, you know, the PR guy was doing a speech where he literally said that, you know, part of the problem is that gamers really believe it's first destroying the planet and then second, just a tool for speculation. He, to paraphrase, he went on to say that he, they don't realize it's so that we can get even more money out of them and that that's really important to us. So they've found something worse than loot boxes and was even worse received than loot boxes and is questionably as legal as loot boxes and failed completely and utterly on their first chance. So they're saying, yeah, that's it. Obviously, we're definitely putting this into all of our games. So yeah, guess 
guess what? The the next whatever Ubisoft titles that have come out will have NFTs attached to them so that you can now pay money to own a special hat that no one else has and no one else wants, but that you're allowed to sell once you're done wearing the hat. And they say that gaming companies don't listen to their clients or fans anymore. I yeah, have enjoyed to... many, many Ubisoft games over the I... years. And I, I just, over the last few years, it becomes harder and harder for me to want to buy any more games from them ever again, just because of the way they act as a company. They're innovative. They find a way to be worse, no matter how bad they get, no matter how bad you think they are. And there's no way they can get any worse. Surprise. Those gamers are stealing pennies. (laughs) If all you have to do is look at any social media post about, Hey, should we do an NFT or not? And then look at the comments below and it's overwhelmingly negative or I'm unfollowing you for this, or I'll never buy another one of your products. But because of all of the potential for just unlimited profit, you're selling nothing. Yeah. So the profit is is yeah is limitless. So of course they want to jump on this. And they don't care if they alienate long term fans of theirs because there's oh, easy you know, money to raise be the average temperature of the planet by a noticeable degree. Nah, doesn't matter. I can't wait to buy my virtual GPU. It's going to be great. I'm going to oh, they're, they're, you don't get to buy those. You rent them. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, yep. And that's, that's already in. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's yeah, sure. We just rent our games and content anyway. You can, well, you rent, can do that too. Rent our music. Yeah. Online and play your games through streaming. Mm-hmm. You, you Even though the game, quality looks rent- like you're running at 720p. Well, no, Josh, you don't. You didn't enable the negative latency. That oh, you know, because right. yes, it was playing the, the game, game for you. Itself. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, that's that just adds to your enjoyment. You can just sit there passively and just randomly press buttons and it's like it. watching Twitch. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like <laughs> watching a low starter. quality Twitch stream where you don't yes. have good enough bandwidth to you know turn it up to 1080p or higher. Yeah. Uh, Kent, your pick this week. Uh, EVJ is currently having a special on their XR1 light capture cards. Normally sells for $99. They've got a $30 instant rebate on it. for So you get it for $70. Um, and okay. it's a great little product. I think Sebastian did a review on it, if I'm not mistaken. Not the light. Uh, I have the XR1 uh, actually in use right now. That's how we're looking okay. at that article. But... Yeah, the, the light pretty much has all the same capabilities of the original XR1. It's just in a lower mm-hmm. cost um, package because it foregoes those physical onboard controls and RGB lighting of the original. But if you oh, look at the No the RGB, specs, never mind, forget it. I, well, look, if you can live without RGB, if it's not going to be f- a, you know, a centerpiece of your stream, I think it could get the job done without any extra lighting. This is a personal opinion. Why am I right-clicking? Uh, yeah, it's just that simple HDMI in, out. It's USB Type-C. I think this one... Yeah, it's 1080p60 capture. It does pass through 4K60. doesn't have any, like, fancy, like, VRR or, you know, others. It's it's a $70 streaming product. It's it What do you expect? A, yeah. And look, it's sixty nine dollars. I think it's sixty nine dollars. Yeah, no, everywhere. that's that's fantastic for what you get. Yeah, excellent. I have no pick this week. I didn't get that far. So, I won't pick some arcane product. I don't have anything within arm's reach to do. That. Wait, what about arcane, the actual game? There you go. Yeah, that's a good one. Do you have a copy of that? I don't. Uh, it's probably it like two dollars if you get it, and it's well worth the price. That's our show. Thanks for listening, watching, however you consume our podcast. We'll be back next week. Brett will probably rejoin us at that point. I know the last time he was absent, he kind of sneaked in at the end. He's not doing that this it's week. Not. He's 
He's is it snow? I might let him out of the closet behind me where I've got him tied up right now. Okay. Uh, I think it's time to take the stream down. Yeah. Thank you to everybody did watching. Did we even say goodbye? Or did yeah, we, did we, we did. just... Hmm. I, I did. Like, Jeremy I feel like did. we did. Sebastian did. Josh, you want to do a proper outro for us? Hold no. on. No? Okay. <laughs> this has been the PC Perspective Podcast. We enjoyed your company during this time. And we invite you again next week to join us in another hour or two of not-quite-erudite discussion of PC hardware, software, and technology going-ons. And with that, I wish you good night.